Hello and welcome to the Yoga with Molly Off the Mat podcast. I'm your host Molly and in this podcast we talk all things yoga and life off of the mat. Let's get started. Hi yogi friends. I'm having one of those, well, for me, rare mornings um, since the start of pregnancy where I've kind of naturally been drawn to my yogic spiritual practice today. And I say naturally because if I'm honest, 99% of the time throughout pregnancy, my attendance (laughs) to yoga, to meditation has been you know, from a place of discipline rather than, you know, it coming naturally to me. I would say before I got pregnant, every morning I would wake up, my heart was kind of like bursting with joy and peace and excitement to go and sit and meditate and journal and do some daily movement and um, that natural get up and go just faded within a couple of weeks of pregnancy and every time I've come to the mat, come to meditate, it's been um, about discipline um, rather than rather than anything else. Um, and while on the one hand, you know, I ask myself, well, if I were listening to the body, what would I be doing? The truth is, you know, my mood just dropped so many notches in pregnancy that the thing I would have been doing had I not attended you know to meditation and and movement still would have just been to lie down on the couch (laughs) and I did do that for a little while that was my practice for a little while but what I did find is that um it actually made mood worse and I was more susceptible to kind of aches and pains, particularly in the lower back. Um, Whereas when I kind of came back to movements, and for me, that was really about um, continuing to activate the glute muscles, um, which are just so, so important in supporting um, the back, um, which we know is vulnerable in in pregnancy. Um, And meditation as well to try and keep me calm. I've been so susceptible to anxiety and panic in pregnancy, um, that those are really important. So I don't begrudge the fact that, you know, if the thing that got me there was discipline, it's fine because I needed that. But today I'm having a slightly different morning. I um, was at the beach yesterday and I hadn't been to the beach in a long, long time, at least not here in the UK. I took a little holiday back in April, but I was so sick at the time. I couldn't tell you in all honesty, I'm enjoyed it or soaked up the experience very much. But yesterday, oh my goodness, the ocean air just hit different. I felt like I was in a trance. I feel like I had, you know, taken a magic pill. Um, I just, I was breathing different. Um, the way the air felt on my skin, oh my goodness, it just, I've always had a very, very special connection to the sea and to the ocean. Um, I was always a really keen swimmer and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, just, yeah, has always been 
um, I don't even know what the word is. It it really it hits me at my soul when I am by the sea specifically, not just in water, but in, you know, by the sea, by the ocean. Um, really, really powerful, as I know it is for so many people. And I just kind of came back with this new sense of serenity, which was hard to imagine as I was going out the door. I was really... You know, I wasn't looking forward to a slightly longer than usual train ride and um, I was scared, you know, being away from home all day and walking a lot that I'd be tired and my feet would be hurting and that kind of thing. So I was I was apprehensive, even though it had been my idea, <laughs> I was apprehensive about this trip, um, even if it was just for the day. But I felt so peaceful when I came back. I slept relatively well and yeah, as soon as I woke up this morning, I just felt that really old familiar habit of just, you know, waking up, getting something to hydrate with, you know, a glass of water and um, uh, in my case, a, a milky drink as well. And um, yeah, I sat down and journaled for, you know, the best part of well, at least half an hour. It wasn't journaling the entire time. Sometimes I'd journal down an idea and, you know, so for example, today I, I, I thought, gosh, given how peaceful I find the ocean and I've been looking for ideas for some wall art for our bedroom. We just moved into our new home earlier this year and haven't really um, gotten to those final details yet for that room. Um, I thought, hmm, maybe some art that has, you know, seascapes or ocean views or something might be really, really nice. I felt really inspired by that trip yesterday. So I kind of had a little little look and made some some notes and some ideas. So yeah, I, I journaled. And then um, the other thing that I did just now, I, I know I've talked about this in the podcast previously, but I, I really enjoy working with... Um, uh, gosh, what are they even called? <laughs> these aren't tarot decks. What are they called? Oh, I'm having a complete pregnancy brain moment. For the life of me, I can't remember. <laughs> They're like tarot decks, but it's not the tarot. What on earth are they called? I'm looking at two of them now to see if it says anywhere on the boxes. It does not. <laughs> They're not flashcards. Um, I don't know. I'm sure if you're into it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just, they're decks that aren't tarot decks. You know, they'll have more like um, cards for inspiration or, yeah, for the life of me, the word isn't coming to me right now. Um, but anyway, it's not so important. Um, I have one called A Yogic Path by Sahara Rose, which is probably my favorite deck that I've ever bought. It's the one I reach for most often and I, I just I love it. Um, it's kind of a combination. Let me see if I can open this. Yeah, even on the inside, it's it just says it's a guidebook. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's another... Oracle. That's what I'm looking for. Oracle deck, not tarot deck. Oh, goodness me. Anyway, um, so yeah, I reached for two Oracle decks today. So in this one, um, A Yogic Path by Sahara Rose, which like I said, is my absolute favorite one. They have cards that relate to spirituality, Ayurveda, the chakras, 
um, yogic concepts and then also um, deities as well. Um, so examples would be Lakshmi, Krishna, Ganesha, Brahma, Shiva, Hanuman, um, those types of deities. Um, so yeah, and I just, I, I just, I, I love it. I've loved, loved, loved it for a long time, even before I did my yoga teacher training. Just all of the concepts in there, they bring me back, even now after having done yoga teacher training, to so many of the things, the concepts, the ideas, the conversations that I had during my yoga teacher training, which which was also a time of, um, excuse me, it's still so early, I'm half yawning, um, you know, it was a time for really deep spiritual reflection and development, I guess. So um, I always feel really peaceful. This morning, I pulled the Buddhi card, um, which, oh gosh, in its simplest form, I would say for me, my interpretation of that was really a connection to crown chakra. Um, it talks about kind of ancient wisdom and inner wisdom and um, living a soul-led life. Um, you know, a connection to, I guess, your your higher power, your higher wisdom, your ancient wisdom. Um, so for me, it was very much a call for kind of crown chakra and I pulled that card after I had sat down to journal and meditate and all these things so I just thought gosh how how fitting because I really did feel that way today I kind of felt like I was um coming at life from a slightly higher plane <laughs> than usually when I wake up and it can feel a bit chaotic and then the other deck which is new it's actually my first time using it um, what is this one actually called? It's called Practice Yoga Daily Awakening Deck by Eleanor Brower. Brower? Yeah. Um, I bought this one um, at a yoga studio, um, at one of the tri-yoga yoga studios here in London um, about three weeks ago or so. Um, I was just kind of browsing through the shop at the Camden branch and I saw this and I picked it up and um, yeah, I, I hadn't even looked through the deck yet because it was one of those things I didn't order it online or it wasn't something that was recommended to me. I just kind of picked it up and put it on a shelf. Today when I was shuffling it, I didn't even know <laughs> what the deck was about. I had bought it purely based off of the fact that I was kind of drawn to it in the moment and it was related to yoga. So I pulled a card and... Um, it had on it, I wish I had kept it actually, it, uh, just, you know, because I've shuffled the deck again now, so I don't know where it is. It, um, it wasn't quite what I was expecting in a, in a, in a wonderful way. Um, it didn't have, you know, yoga poses or, you know, any, anything like that. It had almost like a little mantra on it. You know, it, it kind of said like, take a deep breath and, uh, I'm not even sure if it said take a deep breath, um, but just just focus on these these mantras. Um, and the mantras were very simple. It was like you know, one earth, one love, one family, one source. You know, um, the, you know there was a theme of interconnectedness um, running running through, and you know, very open to how 
the practitioner wanted to A, interpret that, but also B, and really importantly, embody that. You know, so if someone was to just pick up that card and they wanted to make it a breath practice, a movement practice, or anything in between, they were free to do so based on where their energy was for that day. And I just thought that that was, that was wonderful. Um, so for me, I just kind of sat down and I did some diaphragmatic breathing, um, this kind of three-dimensional breath where you're really breathing into the diaphragm and trying to expand out through both the back body, the side body, um, you know, and, and obviously through the, excuse me, oh, the belly as well. So I, I kind of, you know, cycled through each of the mantras on the page, on the card, and, um, and took a long diaphragmatic breath on the way in and actually did some humming on the way out. Love humming. That's one of the things I've kind of, um, I discovered it probably a few years ago, you know, through most people's entry point to it is either through the om at the start or end of a class, or maybe through the B breath, if that's something you've practiced before. Um, but I think there's lots of other opportunities to integrate sound um, into, into practice. Um, you know, sometimes it's even just through audible exhales and, you know, really being comfortable with the sound of your own breath in a yoga class. Um, I know that that can be a bit of a journey. Some people feel self-conscious about just, you know, breathing, uh, audibly, <laughs> you know, um, in, in class. Sometimes, you know, for someone, the idea of breathing in a way that other people can hear you breathe. I don't know if people associate that with a sign of, you know, not being fit um, or, and being out of breath in a way. So people feel shy or embarrassed to be, you know, breathing loudly enough that other people can hear you. Um, but I, you know, that's definitely something that I've kind of changed my relationship to over the years. And I, I love to um, to have an, an audible, audible breath where it makes sense. I don't spend the whole class huffing and puffing, but because <laughs> that can maybe make you feel a bit dizzy as well. But, you know, just being comfortable with sighing and letting go and making sound when it feels right. And, you know, allowing, allowing the breath to take up space the same way you allow the body to take up space when you're practicing yoga. Um, or the belly to take up space if you are, you know, breathing deeply, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, anyway, that was uh, just <laughs> by way of quite long introduction. Um, how my morning has been this morning. Something I'm reflecting on this morning as I sit here kind of peacefully in the afterglow of my little morning ritual is I lit a candle um, this morning, which isn't something I often do. It's not something I do every day. And I have almost kind of a very, um, hmm, what's the word? Conflicted relationship with candles and you know, burning stuff. <laughs> um, that might sound strange, but when you reflect on it, <laughs> burning stuff, um, put kind of crudely, 
can be a very big part of spirituality and of yoga. <laughs> so I'll give you some examples. Um, the use of obviously candles, um, if, if you're using a, you know, a candle with a wick. Um, incense is a huge one if you are used to going to yoga studios or even you know spirituality shops, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, this actually extends completely off the mat into, you know, places of, places of worship as well. Um, if, uh, you are familiar with smudging, which is kind of the process of burning things like sage and other herbs potentially, um, to, uh, you know, people do that if, if they believe in, um, you know, energy healing, energy cleansing, um, in order to, to cleanse, um, a space. And, um, the other place that you'll find it just in absolute abundance is any, um, ancient spiritual or religious texts, you know, um, the use of fire, um, whether it is, bonfires. I, I recently, I have a real interest, um, although I'm not a practitioner of um, the kind of uh, Celtic um, calendar. Um, so um, where are we right now? We are in August. What I really like about um, the kind of old, old Celtic calendar, amongst many others, I just happen to be researching this one specifically, is how seasonal and cyclical it is, and that it's aligned with um, crops, you know, so it, it it's this, the same calendar that would be celebrating the summer solstice and um, the winter solstice as well, and all of the moments in between where we're kind of um, honoring, you know, the, the coming of the next season. And gosh, that's one example of many, many, many traditions where we do that. But um, I had an interest in that recently and was kind of um, researching, getting curious, looking for inspiration. And when I was looking at, you know, what is tradition for winter solstice or summer solstice even and all the moments in between, the answer always seemed to be a bonfire, <laughs> big fire. <laughs> we celebrate with big fire. We worship with big fire. And it's always been a little bit counterintuitive to me. And I'll come back to the example I gave earlier about smudging, right? <laughs> Using smoke to smudge and cleanse. My goodness, I've always found any kind of smoke, <laughs> whether it's from sage incense, a candle or otherwise to be really dirty. I just, there's something about ash and smoke and I, I don't really think that it requires that much explanation, um, <laughs> which makes my skin feel dirty and gritty. Um, I'm also mildly asthmatic, so I'm always concerned about um, open flames or anything burning, particularly in an enclosed space. Um, you know, and, and when I reflect back on, I mean, gosh, I, I cannot stand the smell of, um, incense when I go into yoga studios or kind of spirituality shops. It is an immediate turn off for me. I even get nervous when candles are lit. Um, if there's kind of m many of them, um, it can make me feel really, 
um, un- uncomfortable and I, I, do, I have concerns <laughs> over the respiratory impact that things like that would have on a person um, over a lifetime. You know, if you're a teacher and you're teaching in, in an enclosed environment um, with incense constantly burning, um, that, that that just cannot be healthy for your for your lungs, but even for things like your eyes and your skin and, you know, and and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I have quite, you know, but at the same time, I'm sitting here now with one small candle lit, you know, in in otherwise a pretty spacious living room. And it looks beautiful and cozy. And, you know, it has a very soft fragrance. I'm also kind of quite picky about what candles I will and won't have in the home. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that to life. I always, I feel like it's not really something that's talked about. It's almost as if like anyone who is really hardcore into the lifestyle <laughs> is very, you know, evangelical um, about the use of incense, about the use of, you know, um, candles or otherwise. And I just wanted to offer a different perspective, which is that burning stuff, as I put it, is fundamentally unhealthy and bad for the body. Um, there, I mean, you will not be able to find <laughs> any medical practitioner. Um, I'd, I'd, I won't even accept a challenge on it um, that would tell you that smoke inhalation in any form from any object is ever good. It is always unhealthy and harmful for the body. And it is completely wild to me that we have this entire tradition that is so focused on wellness and healing and taking care of ourselves. And it's so intertwined with burning stuff (laughs) and taking deep breaths (laughs) Um, while you do it. So listen, this isn't a candle ban. Um, I was upfront that I'm burning one right now and enjoying it in my home. But as with anything, you know, moderation is key. (laughs) I also think, you know, living a soul-led life can mean, you know, enjoying the glass of wine, enjoying, um, enjoying, you know, calorific foods that are probably not on, uh, again, any medical practitioner's list of, you know, healthy superfoods necessarily, you know, whatever that might be for me. It happens to be high fat cheeses. You know, my entire pregnancy, I can't stop thinking about oh, a specific couple that um, are on the, um, they're not advised during pregnancy. Um, so I've been abstaining from them and oh my goodness, I just, I cannot wait um, to enjoy a small piece of them when I'm able to. I didn't even particularly eat them that frequently before I got pregnant, but Oh my goodness, I'm so looking forward to a little piece of them later um, in a few months from now. Um, you know, I would say the same of caffeine. I would say I would say the same of so many things. So um, a little here and there, I think, is as good for the soul and about experiencing life and pleasure and sensation and beauty. And not everything that we do has to be about, you know, what is medically optimized. But one thing that I I would just point out, I think it's very easy um, if you are into yoga and other spiritual practices and, and other forms of worship, for there to be loads of glorification of burning stuff 
and little to no discussion of um, the health implications of being exposed to these things, <laughs> um, you know, especially if it's done in service of, you know, a, a wellness practice or of a deity or of, of, of something else. And I, I do think that's something to um, be mindful of. You know, other things that I think can work wonderfully well. I also have a number of um, diffusers in my home, um, which, again, you know, because they're electrically powered, um, you can have a conversation around sustainability versus candles. But at least for the health of your heart and lungs, um, I always think using kind of like a steamed based approach means you can still scent a room if uh if you if you you know particularly if you're a teacher if that's something that you enjoy atmospherically in a yoga class um is to be able to offer kind of the scent of of lavender or sweet orange or or something like that can be really special um obviously then there's things like essential oils as well um which can be can be applied or potpourri or you know there's a ton of different things that you could look at that don't involve um smoke <laughs> uh in inhalation that i think can add atmosphere and mood um and maybe it's not about saying that you know we don't burn candles or smudge ever but maybe just looking again at, at balance um and thinking about you know what are some other methodologies that i could introduce to play with to play with light to play with sound to play with smell to play with um you know atmosphere and coziness um you know while while being mindful of the impact that it could have on on lungs and again um i think particularly if you are teaching kind of an open class you know be mindful you will have people coming to class who you know potentially are asthmatic um have other respiratory concerns are anxious are susceptible to migraines are pregnant um, who, you know, while the burning of incense is uh, unlikely <laughs> to to trigger a severe reaction, um, it might make people uncomfortable um, and, you know, they, they might leave with a mild headache <laughs> and that is, uh, you know, n not something um, that is, uh, that is ideal, you know, not, not the outcome maybe you were looking for. Um, if you're teaching a yoga class. That's all for today, friends. Um, my plan over the next few weeks, I think I've shared previously, I have been working my way through another yoga teacher training this year, this one specialized in uh, pre and postnatal yoga instruction, which I've really been enjoying and has been a wonderful companion to me in pregnancy and as I think ahead to new motherhood. Um, so I have now worked my way through all of the um, kind of core modules of that course. I have a little bit of bonus content to enjoy, some extra seminars um, 
on things uh, like the um, like like pelvic floor health. Um, even, even though I've you know done a lot of learning around those areas, just kind of extra bolt-ons and deep dives and that kind of thing. And I have a few practical assessments to do. Um, so my plan over the next few weeks, as best as possible, is to try and complete that. Um, and then I don't know what the plan is from there, if I'm honest. I kind of have it on, you know, a to-do list that keeps getting pushed back and back and back that I do want to revisit my actual core offering as a teacher um, that is yoga with Molly because <laughs> that has been on sabbatical since about April time. We're now in August so it's been a few months and um, you know I had planned towards the end of this year maybe to do some uh, yoga nidra. Things that I'm comfortable to do and that are relatively practical for me to film um, regardless of what is happening in, in my pregnancy. Because even though I'm continuing to practice yoga, I, yeah, it, it's hard for me to plan physically for, you know, how, how I can teach, particularly online uh, classes as my body is, is changing all the time. Um, and particularly because I'm, I'm more susceptible to injury um, at, at the moment in, in pregnancy. I have a small, small injury this week, for example, which means that there's some poses that just don't feel as yum as they usually would. So um, I'm kind of, you know, it's on the horizon. It's on the horizon that um, I, I want to start having a think about how I re-engage as a teacher. I really did need some time off. Um, in the first trimester because I was poorly and I, I, I needed to spend time learning uh, rather than teaching and I, I didn't have you know the capacity to be able to do both but I'm, I'm very hopeful that over the course of the next year I can you know come back into teaching and then, you know, as with anything, I think I'm a forever learner and student. I just get so much joy from it. So I already have a host of things I've had to kind of apply some restraint on <laughs> to not sign up for courses at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll slowly be turning my attention towards that. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, you know, the, the thing that I need to focus on next is... Uh, is completing my pre and postnatal yoga teacher training, um, and uh, and also completing my pregnancy, um, you know, and and learning about um, about myself and my baby um, postpartum as well, uh, and and how we all come together as a family in our home, and um, and and what that means, and what that healing process looks like. So. Um, lots happening. Thanks for tuning in today and I can't wait to speak to you again soon. Bye.